All right, how are you guys doing tonight? Boy, I'm doing all right. Hey, uh, I guess I'll set this here. So I'm not Derek. My name is Miles. I'm the uh, pastor here. I have been doing college ministry for the last 10 years, and I'm transitioning into other things, leadership type stuff. So uh, uh, yeah, that's that. You guys are in a series called This Is War, right? Right? And uh, it's through the armor of God. And Derek asked me, he's like, hey, I want you to come in and speak on the armor of God. And, and at first I, I was like, okay. And then I'm like, okay. But you know, in my head, I was thinking, you know, anything but the breastplate of righteousness, because I don't want to stand in front of a bunch of high schoolers and say breast like a hundred times, you know, and, and uh, but that's exactly what we're doing. That's exactly what I'm doing. So if you have that immature little vibe, so do I. And, and uh, I, I, I'm sorry, that's just what happened. It's in the Bible. Uh, you, can't, you can go through a, a multiple translations. It's still the breastplate of righteousness. So here we go. We're going to talk about that. It's from Ephesians uh, chapter 6. Why don't we just uh, kind of jump in there now? Let me read it to you. You guys have probably been reading this. If I know Derek, Derek loves to kind of dive through Scripture. And so we're going to kind of do the same thing. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it tells us, Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, which is what you're talking about, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. That word schemes means strategies. And I want you to catch this. What, the, what those uh, two verses tell us is that the world is not a playground. It's a battleground. Do you catch that? The world is not a playground. You might think it is, but it's not. It's a battleground. And you have an enemy. You might not even want an enemy. He doesn't care. He didn't, he didn't, he's not asking you, hey, do you want to fight? He's just fighting you. And, and uh, he has chosen to be at war with you. And he has schemes. It means strategies to take you down and destroy your life, to destroy your soul, to separate you from God. And I want you to think about this. The reason you have an enemy and Satan hates you is because God loves you. And Satan hates God, hates God's authority, hates God's person, and Satan can do nothing against God, and so instead, he goes after those God loves, which is you. And so Satan wants to destroy you, he wants to ruin your life, he wants to ruin your relationships, he wants to ruin your mind, your soul, your body. He, Satan wants you, like if you got to be so awful in life that you were just on the floor crying life over, things are so bad, Satan would stand over you and say, just what I wanted, victory for me. That's what he wants from you, he has no mercy and he has strategies. That's what it means, we're not unaware of the devil's schemes. And so when you have an enemy, you have to know, well, how, how is he trying to take me down? And then he says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers uh, of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You have an unseen enemy. He's talking about the devil, obviously. Uh, Therefore, because this is true, put on the full armor of God so that you may, uh, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. And then verse 14, which is the verse we're going to be talking about uh, tonight, at least it's where the, the breastplate of righteousness comes in. It says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Is that what you guys talked about last week? That, okay, good. Yeah, two of you know this. What happened to everyone else? That's what you talked about last week, right? Yeah. 
Okay. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition, in other words, having the truth, having the breastplate of righteousness, and having uh, your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel. In addition to those things, take up the shield of faith with uh, which you can distinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take your helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is our, how we fight against our enemy who's trying to destroy us. And so... Uh, again, the world is not a playground, it's a battleground. You might uh, act like it, but imagine what it would be like if you were at war and you were acting like it was a playground. What would happen to you? You would die, totally. Because, and, and that's what happens to so many people because you want to pretend that life is just a big party and, and I get that, but I'm telling you, there is, a, there is an unseen enemy who has picked a fight with you who wants to see you destroyed because God loves you. And, and uh, so we have to put on the form of God. You're in battle whether you like it or not. So let's talk about the breastplate of righteousness. Why the breastplate? And I've been asking myself that because it's just so awkward to talk about that, like I said. But uh, here's what it means. It, it, it covered your most vital organs, and it was your last line of defense. It's what protected the most important parts of you, your heart, your lungs, you know, all, all kind of the vital areas. And it is not offensive, it is primarily defensive, meaning when the enemy is attacking you, this is what you have to protect yourself. And so I've been asking myself, how does righteousness, if it's the breastplate of righteousness supposed to protect us, how does righteousness protect us? And I've been thinking about that and praying about that all week because I wanted to help you understand this. I can tell you right now that righteousness and being righteous is not about behavior. It's not about behaving right. It's about something else. And this, I'm telling you, this is so important. As a matter of fact, you can't understand the Bible if you don't understand righteous, what it means to be righteous. Listen to this. The word righteous or words that are the equivalent of righteous are in the Bible 574 times. There's only 66 books in the Bible. Okay, this concept of being righteous is, is in the Bible like all over. The Bible is about being righteous. And so I've been thinking, how do I help you understand righteous so that I can help you understand how righteousness protects you? how it's a breastplate around you. And so let's talk about righteous a little bit. In order to do this, we have to talk about your favorite subject, which is authority, right? You guys love authority, right? You love to be told what to do. You love it when your teachers are telling you uh, in class, uh, you know, that these are the things you have to do, these are things you don't have to do. You love it when your parents uh, deliver authority. You love it, right? This is what you live for, true? Of course, because you're not rebels, at all, the word authority, somebody said preach it, you're weird, man. Um, here's the deal. Here's what authority means, okay? And I'm telling you, I know you don't like it. When I was your, I, I still have this rebellious thing in me that doesn't love the word authority. But I just want to tell you that when you understand it right, you will understand how uh, important it is uh, 
uh, that God has authority. So here we go. Authority really is this, okay? What it means is the ability to make the final decision or, or the ability to settle an argument. That, that, that's what authority is. That's what authority does. It comes and it says, you know what? Of all the opinions, here's the one that matters. And there's all kinds of things, like, like when your parents talk to you about having a curfew, you might have opinions, but you don't have authority, right? Have you noticed that? They have the authority, and their, their, what they say solves the discussion. It ends the discussion. It solves the argument. My, my brother and I, when we were growing up, I have a brother who's two years older than me, and uh, when we were growing up, we would fight all the time. How many of you fight with your brother or sister on a regular? Yeah, me and my brother, see, we, were, we, were, uh, we stayed at home, my brother and I. We would get home from school. My parents would both be at work, and my brother and I, I mean, this, it was war. It was on when we got home. We literally, uh, my brother and I literally played, uh, we literally fought each other on the roof of our house. We would get on the roof and fight, and my neighbors would just be standing there, get down, Miles, get, and we would fight, and it was awesome. And they'd tell my parents, and my, it was crazy. Anyways, so one day, we're fighting in my house, and my brother's older than me, but I'm bigger and meaner than he is, okay? And so I would, I would always say, you might be my older brother, but you're my little brother, because uh, I'm, I'm bigger than he is. And so one day, we were fighting, and... I was chasing him because I was going to destroy him, and we ran. He ran into my parents' room like a wussy, right? And he ran into my parents' room and shut the door, and it was like down the hallway. And so I ran down the hallway, and there's my and, it's, and the door shut. And so I do what, of course, I'm going to do. I slam the door, and I put a giant hole through it. And what happens now is we're friends, right? We're on the same team, instantly on the same team because we got to solve what just happened because we put a big hole in mom and dad's door. And so we thought, we sat there and we thought about it because now we're, we're busted and we know it. So what we did, I thought it was pretty genius. <laughs> Not that you should do this. This is just what we did. We, uh, we got this giant poster board. <laughs> and we drew this picture of like a happy family. And we put like, we love you, mom and dad. And we put it over the hole. <laughs> Not a good idea. And so my parents got home. They're like, oh, our kids are the best. They're just so good, and they love us, and our house is so right. And then, but like two weeks later, the thing, you know, one little corner flap fell off, and the next thing you know, we're so busted because I put a hole through their door. But I thought it was clever. But anyway, my brother and I would fight all the time, and we'd be in conflict over all kinds of things. And then my mom or my dad would come home, and do you know what they would do? They would solve the argument because they had authority. Until then, we just had opinions. Until then, we were just at war. Because there was no one with authority, no one could decide what was really going to happen. The argument couldn't end. The discussion couldn't end. And, and, uh, but as soon as somebody with authority shows up, it is over. Some of you uh, are experiencing this authority thing. Like in high school, uh, how many of you are close to graduating? How many of you can taste it? Totally, right? It's, it's right all over here. And just a few of you over here, but apparently this is where seniors sit. Now listen, how many of you seniors, I mean, how much longer do you guys have? One month. How many of you, how many of you already know that you're not going to learn anything between now and then? 
You totally know that. Of course you do. Now, how many of you already feel like you've graduated, like it's over? I mean, you're basically graduated, right? And here's what I've noticed. Here, listen, but what if you walked around saying, I've graduated? You, you would be wrong because, listen, you don't have the what? Authority. You don't have the diploma. Actually, I brought one in from Benjamin Franklin High School in Los Angeles. Found it online. It's not mine. It's from, uh, I, I, yeah, which is a long story. We'll talk about that in a second. Now, listen, if you don't have a diploma, you can feel like you've graduated. You can know that I'm not going to learn anything, but listen, but until you have this, you haven't graduated, and it doesn't matter how you feel, and it doesn't matter what you know. What matters is authority, and only the school has authority to declare you graduated. Does that make sense? I found this out the hard way because uh, my senior year, uh, I had P.E. because I had taken all these hard classes and whatever. I had P.E. Now, I was pretty athletic, but I cut class a lot, and I cut P.E. so much that I failed P.E. my last semester. And I sat down with the teacher and the principal, and I said, listen, haven't I basically graduated? And they said, No. And so I brought in, you know, the heavy artillery, my dad and whatever. I mean, you know, I, I, I got to solve this thing. And listen, do you know what happened? The bottom line, I didn't graduate because, and there was an argument, but guess who solved the argument? The school did, because only they have the authority to decide if I'm going to graduate. That's what authority does. It solves arguments. They made the final decision. I didn't get to graduate. And I had to wait through summer and, and take some other stupid, ridiculous class. And, then, and listen, and I felt like I should have graduated, but that didn't matter because it doesn't matter how you feel. And, and I knew I wasn't going to learn anything, but it doesn't matter because those things don't have authority. What had authority was the school. Another one, Marines. Let's talk about the Marines and authority. Okay, so I was in the Marines, and, and, but before I went into the Marines, my older brother, remember the one that we fight and I put a hole through the door? And you get, my older brother went off to the Marines before me. And, and he came back from the Marines. Now, I was, a, I was about six months from going to boot camp. He was home with a few of his friends. And I, I already had my head shaved. I was in unbelievable shape uh, and whatever else. And one of his Marine friends looked at me and said, dude, you're basically a Marine anyways. You're a Marine. And he just, he just started calling me a Marine. Now, could he do that? Uh-uh. Why? What does he lack? Authority, right? Authority. He lacks the authority to actually do that. He can't make the final decision on that. He can't solve the argument. As a matter of fact, I had to go all the way through boot camp. I had 13 weeks, I, and, and the whole time, they don't call you Marine. They call you recruit the entire time. And if you slip up and say you're a Marine, you get thrashed because you haven't earned it yet. And on the very last day of boot camp, you graduate, you're in dress blues. And in that moment, they say, congratulations, Marines. And it's the first time you hear it. And it solves the arguments. It ends the discussions because the people with authority finally speak. Does that make sense to you? You get what authority is? Hello, you guys. Did I wear you guys out? I could tell you stories all day, but I want to go somewhere uh, a little deeper than that. 
So let me tell you, in order to understand, remember talking breastplate of righteousness, in order to understand the breastplate of righteousness, you have to understand authority. And you have to understand, in particular, God's authority. Now remember, authority solves the discussion, it ends discussions, and it ends arguments. It makes decisions. What authority does is add finality. And so, I, so in order to understand righteousness, you have to understand what is God's authority. What authority does God have? And when you read through the Bible, you find this amazing ability God has to define you and to define people. Uh, there's this one story in the Bible where a guy named Simon uh, is walking along. And Jesus walks up to him and says, hey, you know what? Your new name is Peter. And guess what his new name was? Peter. It, the argument was over. Think, I want you to think about that. Can your friends do that to you? Hello, can your friends do that to you? Can, do, you have, do you have a friend? Uh, here, uh, let's find somebody. Yeah, right here. Every, tell everyone your name. Sanders. This is Sanders. Now, Sanders, if, can your friend be like, hey, your new name is Billy? And you're like, okay, I guess it's Billy. Of course not. It would never happen. You'd be like, you don't have the power to do that. But God actually does. God has actual power to change. And listen, Simon is a, is a word in, in Greek that kind of means weakness. And Peter means rock, strength. And Jesus is literally redefining this man. Hey, you know how they used to call you weakness? Well, now they call you strength. And he became strength. Simply because, and listen, he might have said, well, I don't feel like strength. But it didn't matter because your feelings don't have authority. And he might have said, well, I haven't really acted strength. But it doesn't matter because your actions don't have authority. What has authority? What has authority? God. Whatever God's, I, and I want you to catch this, it's so important. You don't understand righteousness, you can't understand much of the Bible if you don't get this. Whatever God says about you, that's what's true. Whatever he says, that's what's true. And may, it might not have been true before he said it, but as soon as he says it, it's true. There's another guy in the Bible, a guy named Jacob, it means deceiver, and he was constantly deceiving people. And, and uh, God comes down and says, your name used to be Jacob, but your new name is what? Anyone? Israel, your new name. So he changes his name. God has the ability to literally change, redefine you. And that's, and, and over and over and over again. And, and Jacob might have said, hey, I don't feel like Israel. Doesn't matter. Your feelings don't have any authority. Hey, I haven't done anything like in Israel. It doesn't matter, but I still feel like a Jacob. Who cares? What has authority is God to define you. Whatever God says about you, that's what is true. And so why this is so important is your righteousness, what it means to be righteous, is rooted in God, in, in, in God's authority. He solves the arguments, he ends the discussion, he makes the final decision. And it doesn't matter how you feel, and it doesn't matter how you act, because those things don't have authority. You are righteous because of what he says about you, because of his own 
ability and authority to define you. What, what righteous means is right with God, in good standing, that God is pleased with me. It means that I'm innocent before him, that he's, he finds me acceptable in his sight. He's pleased with me. And, and so the question is, how do you know you're right? Is it beca- how do you know you're right with God? Is it because you feel right with God? It's because you've done a bunch of good things? Or is there something else that, ends, that has authority? And I would suggest to you that it is actually earlier in the book of Ephesians. And we're actually going to put this on the screen so that you can read it uh, also. So check this out. Chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, he's talking to the people. Okay, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Okay, now this is talking about, he's talking to Christians in the past. So in the past, you were dead. In your transgressions and sins. That's what God said about it. And listen, you might have felt alive, but you weren't. Because God says you were dead. And uh, so you were dead in your sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who now is at work in those who are disobedient. In other words, when you, before you followed God, you followed Satan. And you were dead. You were an enemy of God. And God was not pleased with you. You were not righteous. You were not right with God. And you might have felt right with God, but you were not right with God. And you might have thought you were right with God because you felt like you did more good things than bad things, but you were not right with God. Because God, in his authority, says so. And verse 3, all of us also lived, lived among them at one time or another, gratifying the desires of our sinful nature. Like the rest, we were, by nature, objects of wrath. We were under his wrath. But verse 4 changes it. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. In other words, while we were dead, God in Christ declared us alive. Not because we felt like we were alive, not because we had done anything good, but by his own authority. In the same way that he calls uh, Simon Peter, in the same way that he calls Jacob Israel, in that very same way and with that very same authority, he calls people who were dead and in wrath, now you're alive because of Christ. Now, and you might say, well, I don't feel alive. Yeah, but that feeling doesn't have authority. And you might say, but I haven't done anything like Christians do. But that doesn't have authority. What has authority is God. You are whatever he says you are. You catch that? Hello, did you catch that? You are whatever he says you are. Because of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ. So in other words, if you have received Christ, think about this. You are in some way raised up and seated with Christ in heaven. And you might say, well, I don't feel like that's true. Yeah, but, or I I don't act like that's true. Yeah, but God says it's true. And he has authority. Whatever he says, that's what's true of you. And so if you're a Christian, there's a part of you that's seated with Christ in heaven. You are so right with God. And he does this in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from you. In other words, you didn't do this. You didn't save yourself. It's not because you worked so hard. It's because 
of his word, because of his authority. So that you cannot boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So here's my point. I was trying to uh, make sure that you, that you got all of this. If you are in Christ, then you are right, not because you are right with God, not because you feel like you're right with God and not because you behave like you're right with God. You're right with God because he declares you right with him. And it's his authority to declare you. It's, it's his authority to define you. Whatever he says about you, that's what's true of you. And in that same way, he says, in Christ, you are his. And by the way, the opposite is also true, and you just have to know this. If you're not in Christ, if you are not a follower of Christ, if you're not a Christian, you might feel like you're doing right with God, but according to the Bible, you're not. And you might feel like you and God are close, but according to the Bible, you're not. And you might think, well, I do more good things than bad things, therefore God will accept me. According to the Bible, that's not true. The authority does not rest in those things. It rests in God and what he says. So what is, the breast, what is righteousness? It's God saying that I'm right with him based on his authority. Does that make sense to you? Hello, does that make sense? I did it a lot. I'll do it all over again. I'll start with the, my parents and the Marines and the whole story. I'll do it. Does that make sense to you? All right, I thought it might after that. So how does righteousness protect us from the enemy? Well, in order, to, in order to know that, you have to know what his strategy is. What is Satan's strategy? And how does righteousness, knowing that I am right because God says I'm right, how does that protect me? I think there's a couple ways. I think God, our Satan... Satan's, Satan's strategy is to get you to base your authority uh, or your righteousness on some other authority, okay? Your rightness with God. And I, I, let me tell you how subtle this is. It's simply this. Let's say you start doing good things, and you're a Christian, so you're doing good things, and you start thinking, God must be pleased with me because I'm doing good things. As soon as you did that, where's the authority of your righteousness coming from? Your good things, and so now you're like, God is pleased with me because I'm doing more good things than bad things. And I'm a good Christian because I go to church and I do read my Bible. And suddenly you think that God is pleased with you, not because he declared you uh, righteous in Christ, but because you're doing good things. And then let's say, and see what, what Satan, Satan loves it when you do that because that's his strategy. Satan hates the authority of God. That's been his problem all along. And he got you to move your authority from God to your own good works. And as soon as he does that, guess what? The next thing he does is he begins his strategy. He has a one-two punch of temptation and accusation. As soon as you base it on your good works, he comes along and says, hey, look, maybe you should do this. Maybe you should try this. And, and suddenly he gets you to sin by tempting you. And as soon as you sin, then he begins to accuse you. And he says, see, you're not right with God because you're not doing good things. Do you catch that? And because you have allowed him to move the authority of your own righteousness from God to your good works, as soon as you don't have good works, you feel distant from God. It's how the enemy, haven't you noticed that? He's Satan, he's, he's, he sucks, he's a jerk. What he'll do is he'll come alongside of you and be like, 
hey, do you want this little sinful thing? Do you want it? Do you want it? It looks good, huh? Don't you want it? And he'll like, you know, make it all. And as soon as he ate it, he said, see, that's why you're a terrible person. And you're like, what? You just, what? that's what Satan does. That's exactly what he does. And, and that accusation is always that you're not right with God because you're not doing good things. Now, what protects you from that? What protects you from that? Understanding what I'm saying, that my authority, the authority that I am right with God is not based on what I do, either good or bad. It's not based on that. It's based on God's declaration of me. And listen, and it doesn't matter how I feel, and it doesn't matter what I think, and it doesn't matter what I do. What matters is what God says about me, because whatever God says about me is true of me. And, and some of you get taken out by this all the time. Here's another thing Satan does that, again, the breastplate of righteousness protects us. Some of us, we have uh, we're kind of maybe the more emotional type, not, not only girls, but sometimes the girls, but some, you ever, like, some people in worship, you know, you have these spiritual things, and you get so caught up in the emotion of it, and you, you have your little goosebumps, or if you're super Christian, you call them God bumps, right, because it's just so spiritual. I know it's totally lame, but that's what Christians do. And, and, and so you have your, your spiritual, you know, moments, and you feel, and it feels so awesome and real, and you're so caught up in the feelings of it, and you feel like you're close to God because of all these emotions. And, and what you do is you start to think, I must be close to God because I feel close to God. And as soon as you did that, you've taken authority away from God and what he says, and you put it onto your emotions. See that? Do you see that? And as soon as you do that, I'm telling you, Satan will run wild in your emotions. And you might feel the God bumps or whatever for a while, but at some point it's going to dry out. And, and once it dries up and you're reading your Bible and you're like, I don't feel God in this. And you're praying at home and you're like, I don't feel God in that. And you come to church and you try to raise your hands in the air, and gener- but you don't feel it. And you start to think, there must be something wrong with me in my relationship with God because I don't feel right. And as soon as you did that, what did you move the authority from God and what he says to how I feel? And I'm telling you, Satan will own you if you do that. He will own you. Because emotions have highs and lows no matter what you do. You will never ride a spiritual high forever. And if you think that that spiritual high you're on is your faith and is what you count on and is what you trust in, then you will be deeply disappointed and you will fall under the strategy of Satan. Because all he wants you to do is remove the authority from God to something else. Now, what's the answer to this? Again, it's simple. The breastplate of righteousness, that I am right with God, not because of how I feel, but because of what he said. And when I feel it, it doesn't change it. And when I don't feel it, it doesn't change it. It's his authority. He defines me. Whatever he says about me, that's what's true. That's what the breastplate of righteousness does. 
That's how it operates. It defends against the strategies of Satan. And, and uh, I just wanted to, to kind of pray uh, over you to kind of close. Does that make sense, first of all, to you guys? Does that make sense? And so God has authority to define you, right? He has authority. Whatever he says about you, that's what he says. If you're in Christ, what he says about you is that you are right with him. If you're actually seated, you're not waiting to go to heaven. In some way, you're already in heaven. It's unbelievable what he says is true of you. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how you feel. All right. I mean, I want to pray over you because I'm convinced there's some of you that live right there, man. You, you feel like you, God is displeased with you and you're so far from him because you've sinned and you don't know how to get out of it. And I think there are others of you who kind of have, uh, you have this emotional thing going. And, and you just haven't had the ability to cling on to the breastplate of righteousness that, that whether I'm at a high or low, God's word, what he said about me stands. So let me, I just want to pray for you, and then uh, the band will come up, and we'll sing a song a little bit, and you will go off to your small groups to talk more about it. So, Father, we, we do. I, I pray for these students that are here. God, I pray that you would help them to understand and embrace uh, this whole idea of the breastplate of righteousness. God, I pray. Uh, I know that authority is not a word that we love, but when we hear it like this, uh, God, I pray that it becomes... Uh, your authority becomes more attractive to us, that we, would, that we would be able to say, God, won't you solve the argument in me about how I'm, uh, my relationship with you? God, won't you have final say that when my emotions or my actions are saying that I'm not right with you, God, won't you come and speak? Won't you come and with your word tell me that, that I'm right? And that I, help me to carry the breastplate of righteousness to not be uh, uh, unprotected from the schemes of the enemy. And God, we love you and we worship you and we thank you that whatever you said about us is true and you could have left us in wrath, but you chose to put us in your mercy. You did, and, and that's, that's amazing that you did that. And that's why in moments like this, we come to worship you, God, because whatever you said about us was true and what you said about us was so very kind. And that your word is the news, but your gospel is good news for us. And so we are truly, truly grateful. And so, God, when we come to worship you, we come to worship our authority, the one who, whatever you say about us, that's what's true of us. And uh, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you guys stand as we worship together?